guys, welcome back to another Trading Lightly podcast. So on today's episode, we have myself, Nick and Monica Mudge. And this was recorded last week and it was basically just us shooting the breeze, just discussing this uh, lockdown period and this COVID-19 crisis and um, my treatment during this time overseas. I went to Canada for um, my MS. Um which was a crazy time to be overseas. So, yeah, we just, we, it was just us three on there, just having a good chat over a cup of tea. And, um, yeah, I think we covered a lot of different topics. So, hope you enjoy it, guys. You guys did such Make the general conversation about Dean's trip to Canada. You guys, you guys did such a good job on that other one. Is it on? <laughs> we, just, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, did one. we? We're talking about. Started off. We're talking about. Um, yeah, you know what though? Like, there's something. There's something um, like really more natural about the the whole free flow attitude to it. Because, say for instance, you have got an agenda, like you have got a list of questions you got to get through, and you have got a certain amount of time. There's something to like answering that question. Then you see that second question. You want to get to that question or get to those five questions rather than just going. Oh, I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'll, we'll just really go into that one because they've they've gone into that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But it is good to have something that you're going to yeah, just like hone in on well, a little bit. Yeah. We, we spoke to them about permaculture. Oh, we do. We spoke to them about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That was such a long podcast, wasn't but it? But Taya was, ta- 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 was like, oh, I missed this and I missed that. I'm like, man, like, we can we'll get, get you back, back on, on again. Yeah. Like, we, I don't expect information that you've learnt for years and years and years to come out in a one-hour podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like that's – she's like, oh, yeah, true. So she was the, she was a really good talker. Yeah, really she's good. Great. She's like she so let it flow really nicely and, and just flowed like really nicely. Yeah. She. Yeah, she would have been easy to interview. She was. They both were. Yeah. Like I really yeah, like. I said good. to Nick, like I like Kyle. Uh, I liked having Kyle on there because although Taya was the one with all the knowledge and and she brought so much to the table, I think it was nice to have. Kyle kind of open up because he really did throughout that podcast. Yep. He's super relatable. Yeah, and and what it'll be interesting to like I felt like for him to feel supported to say you that's your passion and you want to do that instead of just you know continuing along the path of being a barista. Mm. And there's no reason you can't do it and earn a living from it. Yeah. You know, totally. and I like I support you in that mm. and other people will support you in that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. yeah. I think he would have been the one that a lot of people have been listening to going, oh, I could jump in, yeah. jump in on that. Yeah, I think that brought a different aspect to it. It feels really echoey. Sorry. Because, yeah, like, <laughs> if, if, if it was just Taya, then some well, might because get... Because I'm not quite that's better. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, if it was... Don't fall down. <laughs> <laughs> if it was just Taya, then you've got the scientists that, like, some people will be like, oh, that's a lot of information. Like, where do I start? Yeah, whereas Kyle brought some balance to it. Yeah, he's like, put your bananas in the garden. Mm. If you don't have it, like, well, not bananas, like, just put your scraps mm. off, your, off your balcony if you live on a, in a rental property. Just, just, no, just the fact that getting 200 kilos out of one ca- cafe, I found amazing. I don't. Huh? You don't? Yeah. No. Was that just on coffee? No, nah, like all food scraps and stuff. Mm. It was all, it was everything. But they're, they're collecting, so you can put, um, do you put, oh, you don't really eat meat, but 
they were putting roadkill into the compost and mm. that. I always thought that would attract rats. It does, but it, like we, we do put some meat scraps in ours, but mm. we make sure we bury it. Mm. And so we don't just like chuck it on top. We just yeah. make sure we bury it. And Turn it in. It's never been a problem. We've... Bundy's caught a couple of rats up the backyard. But so, not, that's, but, that's, yeah. And we've got chickens as well. So, yeah. yeah. I learned a lot about the ecosystem just like and started looking deeper into like what each animal or insect starts to do. So like what bees are doing, obviously. And that's like the most common one that we get speaking about. But what does a rat do? Mm. You know, I, I know it's, it's, it's a question for... If, if someone's listening and, <laughs> and knows exactly what each animal does for, mm. you know, what, don't know. What are we talking about there? Rats. Mm. The rat experts. Yeah. Speaking of rats. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, start, that's, that's where we're starting. Are you going to introduce Dean? <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're starting this podcast. Dirty rat. Yeah, he kind of looks like um, what's it, Master Splinter. From the Thanks, Ninja Turtles. Thanks, Nick. No, he's a good looking. You always got some. He's a good looking rat. He's always seeing animals in me. <laughs> no, I, I reckon he looks like a, a wolf. <laughs> he does. Look at his eye. <laughs> he's got that white streak of hair <laughs> that, he, that he dies, or Elena dies. <laughs> Bleach the. They're all they're all positives. Yeah. Okay. What's the positive <laughs> in the rat? We're still looking for it. What's the positive in a rat? Year of the rat. Is no. that? Oh, dude, yeah, dude yeah. If, if anyone else that li- knew the Ninja Turtles was listening to this, would be, they would be so stoked to <laughs> be, be referred what? to as Master Splinter. Master Splinter. Like well, that is my generation, Master yeah. Splinter. Yeah. yeah. So why aren't you thanking me? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought the turtles were cool, but all right. I clearly Splinter. didn't watch enough television. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Ninja Turtles? No. I know the Ninja Turtles, but I don't. That's about it. I know mm. who they are. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll add that to the podcast. Yeah. Show notes. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dean Howcroft. Hello. Yep, I'm back. The man of the minute. We're actually going <laughs> to give him a give him a rundown today. One whole minute. Yeah. Go quick. <laughs> that's that's what you get. <laughs> and um, accompanied by Monica Mudge. Yeah, we've been talking about doing this for a little while now. Just us having a. Little chit chat. Mm, I I wanted everyone to hear the story about our podcast master Dean because Dean's got a, a some pretty interesting stories to share. And just recently, when Nick and I did the last podcast because he was away, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to share your story as to why you were away. Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, I've had MS for fifteen years, and life just. Um, put this doctor on my path last year who um, I discovered through my naturopath, Dan Sipple, who named... We'll have to get him on the podcast because his name popped up last, last time podcast. too. I think his name's popped up in every every single one. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Dan. We'll have to get you on. Um, pops up in my Yeah, so he said, and it's something I've been keeping an eye on, is um, gut flora transplant. So it's basically correcting your gut microbiome through... Uh, a donor's sample of basically gut flora through a poop sample. So, and it's pretty simple. I mean, if you're wondering, it's a it's a catheter up the bum, and they inject that followed by a saline solution. And so it's pretty straightforward. And um, I discovered this doctor who does this uh, treatment in Canada uh, through yeah Dan Sipple and um, 
he actually has M MS himself, this doctor, and he's 64, and he was a trained anaesthetist, did his stint as a GP, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and um, he, he was that bad, he actually had to give up being an anaesthetist, he couldn't work any longer. Um, his walking was difficult, suffered really bad migraines, and just cloudy heads, which is a common thing with MS. And um, so I got in contact with him, and as it turned out, late last year, he had just released a book, and he was actually doing a talking tour in Australia. So I reached out to him, and I said, listen, I'd love, love to um, meet up with you while you're here. And um, he heard a bit about my story, and he goes, I'll do one better, I'll come to you if you, can, if you want to get a, a bunch of your like-minded friends and GPs and, and hang on, Nick's got the floppy one. <laughs> the floppy mic stand. It's dropping out. That is good advertisement. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got so a floppy, floppy mic stand. Let's just clear that up. Um, where was I? Sorry, yeah, so um, had, him, had him in town and he did a little chat for a group of, group of friends just in our living room and... Um, He's doing amazingly well. Looking at him now, he's, you wouldn't know that he's suffering from anything, to be, to be honest. So can you take us back a step and mm -hmm. just explain um, in simple terms, I guess, what MS is for people that don't really understand? So basically, um, MS is your own body's immune system attacking the sheath that surrounds your nerve fibers. It sees that as um, a foreign body and attacks that, so which causes scarring, which doesn't allow signals to pass through that nerve uh, correctly, which means, yeah, it can range. There's a multitude of different symptoms that can come of that. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the basic basis of it. And it started for me, I was 25 and never had a serious illness in my life. You know, you kind of feel invincible at that age. And I was out riding my motorbike and out of nowhere, I, this didn't gradually come on. Out of nowhere, I just had complete double vision, like with the click of the fingers, which is hugely disorientating. You never had it before? Never, ever, ever. Looking back, there's certain uh, symptoms, um, very minor things mm. that I understand now, that, but back then they were so minor you wouldn't pick up on it. So that was the, that was the first major thing that happened that I was like, hang on a minute, like, what's going on here? And I was on my motorbike and I had to ride home with one eye open. Um, and I went to the optometrist. That was on a Sunday. I went to the optometrist, optometrist on a Monday morning and they said, like, your vision's fine. Um, this, is a, this is a muscle um, thing with your eyes. So, yeah, that was the beginning of numerous doctor visits and then leading on to specialists. And probably two months later, I, I reckon... Um, you know, I was still su suffering double vision. That probably took three months to... Did that ease off at all or just stay? It, it, it took three <clears throat> to four months to slowly wow. recover from that. So you had double vision for that whole yeah. time? Yeah. Like, no joke. Like, it was huge. So I'd, I'd have to have a conversation with you with one eye closed because it was just so disorientating. I still suffer a little bit from on my left, far left peripheral vision. It is double, especially on distance. But I, like, I was driving around and my brother was working with me at the time and so he'd be doing most of the driving and I'd, I'd, I'd wear like a pirate patch <laughs> on my eye and I'd have my mates like see me and just thought I was being a clown. You know? <laughs> so, 
And that, in saying that, like, I didn't tell a lot of people, just my immediate close friends, but I didn't tell a lot of people what was going on. Mm. Just, you know, gradually. And then, so that took three, four months. And then... Um, so why don't you have that any... What, what made that subside? And now you don't just, have that. Yeah, he stopped jumping ships and robbing other ships. Yeah, the pirate patch. You know what? There's so many, Sorry. so many motives. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. <laughs> so there's, there's. Um, listen, I, I can't answer that, and mm. my specialist couldn't answer that. Mm. It's just, it's just the unknown. You know, why does so many other, you know, autoimmune is such a massive umbrella. Mm. Um, for me, there's common things like the gut health. Um, which can contribute to someone developing, whether it be it manifests itself into rheumatoid arthritis or MS um, or one of the other range of other autoimmune diseases. But and then and then MS itself, like there's so many people that have just broad, so many different types mm. of symptoms. Um, yeah, it's it's and the big it, unknown. It's a big, is it big something question, that's right? hereditary or it can be. It can be. It's, it can be one of the contributing factors. So have you had anyone in your family no, that no, you know of? No. no. No, I was the lucky one. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems to be like there's, there's, there can be a range of different um, contributing factors, whether it's, you know, maybe poor diet or um, toxicity stress. You know, I came from automotive pain industry, so, uh, you know, it's pretty... Pretty doesn't take too much stretch of imagination to realize mm. that maybe that was a contributing factor. Um, I believe it was. Um, you know, poor diet, like growing up in the era that I did, you know, it was cornflakes, heaps of processed food, cordial, rah, 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 margarine, you know, um, even growing up, Red Bulls, Jaeger bombs, you know, like in the early, summer early. Rolls. Yeah, oh, it's a summer rolls. <laughs> pretty good. Chico rolls, like all the rolls. Um, <laughs> It was just, you know, so, and just not paying, and we didn't know, basically, mm. back then, you know, so this is, when I, when I got it, it was 2005, and gut health was still a fringe thing that no one was really talking about, and, um, you know, there can be emotional factors, so a range of different things, and if, if you, um, as you said, genetic predisposition to this kind of thing, and, you know, it's almost like if those cherries line up, maybe something will manifest, in your body, whether it's severe migraines or vision loss or, and it can be anything mm -hmm. like it really can, um, depression or all, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so at what point did you actually get diagnosed with MS? Yeah. So it was probably after that initial onset of that symptom, it's probably two months and it was through having an MRI and then. To be to be in the in the doctors there, and it was just me and my dad. My dad, you know, our beautiful healthcare system. There was no parking, so he dropped me off, and I went off and saw the doctor. And he was still driving around looking for a parking spot. And um, yeah, they, he just sits me down. And he goes, "Oh, it looks like you've got MS," and like handed me a bunch of pamphlets. And that was just like what, like just complete disbelief. Didn't they really how to handle it? Um, more just shock. Like, oh, okay, like you know, was you like. Did it kind of sound like he handed it to you and was like, oh, you've got the flu? But like, is that simple? Um, yeah, kind of. Well, you know, just yeah. it was pretty, pretty blunt. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
and and just yeah, you know, there, there wasn't much guidance. It's like okay, come back, we can discuss medications. Mm. You know, there was just and what were the, and you 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 tried them for a while, didn't you? Oh, I've tried. Yeah, I've I've run the gamut of all the all the medications. Do you, and, you remember the names of them? Um, oh, there's yeah, like ibuprofen. It was injectable, and then there was um one that I can't remember right now and uh, Glenya was another one and oh, there's, there's like a bunch and every mm. time I, so I went in there and the first one that I tried was um, I had to inject inject it into just under the skin around my stomach region uh, every every second day but the thing was the day after injecting it would, it would feel like you would coming down like I was coming down with a severe flu so I was heady lethargic just wanted to roll into bed mm. And then the next day I'll get over it, but then I had to inject again. So I quickly, and then, and then you'd have these like red spots from where you injected that would last. So, um, yeah, that was, that didn't last long. Mm. I said like, this isn't for me. Like this, this is worse than the current symptoms that mm. I, I had. And after, so I, as I said, it took three to four months for my vision to gradually come back to normal and. I was pretty much then I entered the next stage which was probably denial that something even happened because then it was like life is normal mm. you know and then I, I kind of dropped dropped the medications and then continued on you know there was nothing there to remind me basically mm. and until yeah it was probably an, an, another year or two passed and then it was I got numbness in the legs and then <laughs> I was back to the doctor and I went and saw another doctor for another opinion. And then um, met another specialist and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, this is all pretty common. You're having another, um, yeah, another attack, flare-up of symptoms. Mm. So, yeah. It was, and so then, then it's like, okay, well, now there's another medication out. There's always, every time I went to visit it, there was always either upcoming or the, a new medication that was out. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and, you okay? Uh, yeah. I you're alright. <laughs> um, yeah, so I tried that uh, next medication, and oh, what, what happened there? Something happened. Like one of them, my white blood cell platelet count dropped dramatically, and I couldn't raise it. So then I couldn't get over just a common chest cold, mm. chest infection. Couldn't get over it. And like, oh yeah, that's that's some of the symptoms. Yeah, the side effects of taking this. I'm like, <laughs> you know. And as I said, like, other than that, those few minor things that would gradually um, improve over time, um, I didn't really have, it wasn't so bad back then. And then, um, so once again, I quit that medication. And then over time, I probably, probably came to 2010 or 2012 where I started looking at, um, after I trialed another medication, which once again, didn't, didn't suit me, there were side effects, that I started looking at, yeah, being really healthy with diet and stuff like that so um yeah and did that start to improve things yeah yeah definitely so and also following there was this um dr wells product protocol the book's titled and on um, dr terry wells so she had ms um and she improved her diet through the same kind of principle clean eating basically a lot of greens and um she basically got herself out of a wheelchair riding a bike and stuff again. You know, she, she wouldn't say she absolutely cured herself, but she's doing mm. a ton better. And, um, 
yeah, just just following on down that path, and um, it definitely yeah improves certain things. Mm. But over the years, my my walking probably the last three years, uh, maybe four years now, has been affected. So that's 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 my main challenge really at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, still still feel very lucky that um, I don't suffer migraines like even Bill um, has mm. to deal with at times. So. You do have days though, like just from the little bit that I've seen on like really hot days, for example, yeah. your energy just gets completely. Exact. Yeah, totally. And that's pretty common with MS is um, you, you lack a um, tolerance to heat. Mm. So um, yeah, and it just exacerbates any symptoms that you're, that's, that's how they used to test basically like in the seventies and maybe earlier I was put people in hot tubs mm. to see how they'd handle it. Mm. And that's, that's one of the things that probably I notice, you know, you jump in the spa or whatever, and I'll just, I'll get lightheaded and dizzy just in the, in the early days. Mm. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely don't handle the heat very well, even though I love it. I love summer, but I do, it's like, it's constant, you know, I've got to battle it with, um, ice baths and, you know, that does give me another boost of energy and just cools me down and which is quite common mm. you know people are jumping so, in cold showers and should we get onto that the ice bath so yeah one of the i can't remember how i met dean we've had this conversation hmm. before but i don't know we i don't know it feels like we've known each other forever so i, I, I don't even know but was it the ice baths I don't even um, remember. Yeah, honestly, honestly. Anyway. I'll see how I met him. I, I, yeah. was, I was walking along the beach with Moo, Dath, yeah. and uh, and we, I was just talking about it with her, and then she's like, "Oh, hang on a second. He's he's a guy that he does them all the time, and um, he's he's, he's like, yeah, man, come around my house, we have a nice bath." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yes, wait, that's what it's best, bro." Like, if you're ever lucky to meet Dean, that's the first thing he'll say. Come around, have a nice bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come around for a nice bath. <laughs> oh, was, man, I've just seen tremendous benefit from it, so I just jumped straight on it and. I got through it through a guy named Wim Hof that's probably come up in a few different podcasts. So um, he's a he's a Dutch fella that's kind of he's he's got a, a worldwide presence at the moment. He's quite famous in the fitness industry, and people do know about him. And his whole thing was um, ice, getting out in nature, uh, having ice baths or you know cold water and and breathing. Mm. You know, yeah, man, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I first heard him on a podcast and took me a few months to follow up on it. And um, it, what he was saying really spoke to me. So I, I followed him through and I ended, he ended up having a, a workshop down at Melbourne or near Bells Beach, which I went down there and spent four days with the guy. And there was only 62 of us for four days. So it was quite intimate and we you know, really got to know him. Compared, well, it doesn't sound intimate to the average person, 62 people, but now at a workshop with Wim, you would get thousands. Oh, uh, like the latest one in Sydney was, was the biggest one worldwide, and I think it was, oh, 1300, 13, mm. I think it was. But I mean, 60 people, it's kind of, you know, over four days. Yeah. Oh, it, it gets quite, and especially yeah. when you're doing something like that, like challenging, mm. it brings people together. Mm. So when, you, when we had two ice baths set up, and we're all filling up the bath with bags and bags of ice, you know, in a chain, daisy chain of ice bags just to fill this thing up. You really, 
And then you go through that process and then you go through the process of warming up and the exhilaration from it all. And, and then, then the deep breathing, like, you know, one, one that really comes to mind, he stuck us in the room and the, the one, it was a good thing. So it started off, there was no schedule. So a lot of people, yeah, that freaked people out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that freaked initially, what do you mean no schedule? Like, what time do we start tomorrow? You know, that whole thing. And it's like, yeah, we start when I come and hey, yeah, whatever, you know, and dances around and then leaves. And people are just thinking, what have I come to, basically? But that was actually, you know, that was healing for some people. You know, and they're just like, oh, how good is this? Like, we don't have to keep to this schedule and this time like, like most of us live our life, you yeah. know, so... Um, it's probably what a lot of people are experiencing now in this kind of COVID period of self-isolation. You know, mm. time's really become not a necessary thing, really, to keep an eye on, which is... Or days, for that matter. Days, <laughs> so, yeah. People what don't days know what days today? Yeah. <laughs> and God, it's so... so kind of, It's like a relief yeah. living like that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but going back here. So, yeah, one of the breathing sessions, he, he just... He goes, it was probably five o'clock in the afternoon he goes okay come on let's go in the hall let's do some breathings and we all laid down and we just all right start start the breathing so we all laid down on our yoga mats and light dim the lights and we're all just sitting there and breathing and um he just picks up the guitar and we just continued to breathe continue to do these cycles of breathing and it got to the point where you wanted to on the out breath you naturally wanted to hum it like hum like you wanted that vibration in your head i don't know how to explain it but it was happening to you're like oh that's, is this the om like you know you hear about with buddhist monks and stuff so um and it was funny it's, it came so organically and it was just we reached that like a really just peaceful quiet state and it was and doing it the breathing that breathing is great by itself but i noticed when i do, oh, it, when in you groups, do it in groups it's, it's so much so, more powerful mm. so that probably had something to you do with it so much more invested in it don't you like you just and drop into it and yeah and there's a bit of a rhythm there's an energy there's an energy building and just and at the same time like this stillness as well yeah and that probably had a lot to do with you know doing so doing four days multiple rounds of breathing probably had something to do with it but we, we just became really pretty tight mm. you know mm-hmm. and um and you've gone through it together not like on separate days no, no, yeah yeah all, all of us together yeah. and we you know go for walks together and um everything you know um a big circle and we're all doing that the, the horse stance which is you know mm-hmm. like, kind of like a warm-up method that um Wim Hof likes to mm. use and so standing around that this is how cool it was so one of one of the guys um had this custom old school bus right that he's, he's turned into a camper that he put a fireplace in there <laughs> this, this thing had like chimney. this had a chimney sticking out of it right it's the coolest thing and so he, he had speakers so we pulled out the bus so and pulled, pulled the speakers out and we had like pink Floyd playing and he had like a disco light <laughs> in the center of us and we're all standing around in a horse stance in a circle around this and we're all just blissing out to he really brings <laughs> to, like like a, a full eclectic group of people doesn't he like mm-hmm. and, and and diverse like he'll get like the CEO mm. from mm. whatever newspaper and then you get like some just average someone a person you you call a hippie and just from all different walks of life it's yeah so, and it's so good seeing mm. the crowd that come to it yeah yeah absolutely it's kind of it's, they're all different but they all have that open-minded kind of mindset heaps of guys heaps of guys and girls in the whole fitness industry that was heaps you know what's that what's that um, brazilian dance 
Capoeira. Capoeira. You know, there was little little capoeira things going and little oh, challenges yeah. like that going. So there's yeah. and then just there was um, you know, people in their sixties mm. that were there. Really open minded. So how would you see that, like um it's it's benefited you and, and and like before you before you went to it, like did you hear like there was a significant difference that it was making on MS? It's well, like um he i think he he did have one testimonial on his website with a woman that did have ms yeah that um had a huge benefit from taking on his practices and um so i guess that that probably helped my decision to go down i suppose but um just from from beginning even before i went down um i had i had started doing the breathing every morning and that just just doing that breathing session in the morning, you know, like some days you wake up and especially if you're facing certain challenges, whatever it might be, you might wake up in a bit of a funk or not in the best of moods when you wake up or whatever it might be. And I'll do the breathing session and it's just the best start to your day. Like it really open up, um, open your, I suppose, just lift that mood mm. and, and clear your head and, you know, it just gives you a brighter start to the day. And then you top that off. You top that off with a um, cold shower, you know, it's, it's just a great start of the day. You're ready to face the day, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I had started doing that before going down, but um, I'm not sure. So I'd, regardless of it even helping directly for MS, it's like helping oh, the holistic view of health. Listen, there's, there's probably, I don't think there was one person out of the 62 that thought that was a waste of time. Yeah. You know. From all walks of life, I, I know. I know for a fact it definitely that that one four day encounter definitely changed a lot of people's lives. Like completely flipped it. Mm. You know, I've stayed good friends with these people, and their life is just flourishing. Mm. You know, they're just shifting big time. Mm. You know, just just from ice. ice You're ice, selling it. It makes and, me like a, a little four day four day <laughs> I'm telling ice you. bender. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm keen. My first introduction to um to Wim Hof was with Leah, which is a mutual friend of ours now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, in, the, in the mountains. And she introduced me to Dan Sippel, my nutri- nutritionist. Well, oh, naturopath, sorry. So I met Leah at a yoga retreat that I went to in the snowy mountains. <clears throat> and we spent four days together and did numerous um, dips in the river. And then when I came home, I said to her, look, I'd love for you to come down here. And she was straight onto it. So she came and we did one small workshop in my studio and got the blow up bar, <laughs> blow up pool and filled it with numerous bags of ice, which was secretly doing my head in because of all the, the plastic, plastic bags, <laughs> which we've now yeah, you know, yeah. worked on and not doing that anymore. But um yeah, and so Dan came to that workshop and Dan and Leah met. And then, um, yeah, then the next one we did, we had like triple the amount of people there. Mm. Um, and that's when I met you, I think, Nick. You were at that one at the hall in Milton. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah, talk, yeah. Nick, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, and yeah. then so even just here in this area, and then the next workshop was, you know, equally as many people mm. again and people come down from sydney for it i know mm. traveling it's just amazing because people can genuinely see that just from one wim hof workshop let alone being away for a few mm. days and immersing yourself in it mm. just how powerful it is and how it makes you feel 
Absolutely. I think what's uh, like uh, incredible about Wim is that he doesn't say that it's anything new. He's like, yeah, man, like this. I've just taken like breathing method- methods from different cultures. All sorts of, of different breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, jumping in an ice bath is, is nothing new. But like, it's he's expressing the benefits to the health at the same time. And yeah, he's um and and he promotes that collectiveness about you know doing it collectively with other people as well, yeah. which is what you know coming back to the core of what humans are it's about community yeah you know and doing things like that as community and sharing that experience with each other so yeah because i know like i can't do ice baths every day but i definitely i can't imagine not getting out of a cold shower well well, you can i can i don't have an ice bath (laughs) you got cold water in the on the south coast i know i've got to get onto my freezer like dean (laughs) i will do that but i haven't got one at the moment it's just it's, so I, oh, yeah. I just do, I just do the cold shower thing so mm. um, which is you know sometimes just as hard like jumping into a cold shower you know is it's quite it's, confronting you just yeah oh, it's, it's the same challenge on on your mindset mm. and uh, that's what I find is is huge and you, you so it's just overcoming that fear or that mm. um, to get out of your comfortable zone mm. to jump in and challenge yourself like that is great for your mindset. Mm. It's like it's like working that muscle out. Yeah, well, and then you can overlay to, you can it? overlay that yeah. into yeah. just everyday life. Yeah, you know, it's like training in the gym. Mm. You know? Yeah, the human spirit literally thrives on challenge. Mm. Like you get, you know, like everyone's got that, you know, level where you're gonna enter that challenge. Like I remember as kids, like we'd go find the coldest river you could possibly find, or if you went down to the snow, or even like traveling, you've you found the coldest river. But you, this is different. You're like, okay, spend two minutes in here, focus on the breathing. Whereas you're like, nah, let's go jump in there and 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 see if we can withstand it. And if we don't, if we come out like an ice block, oh well. Like, if, like, you, you, you know, like with no knowledge, you just take a snorkel and jump in this ice cold river, and you like you jump out, and this wild energy comes out into and, and that's it. It's you that wild, yeah. it's that primal uh, yeah. instinct that we all have that we've suppressed so much through comforts of yeah. life and, yeah. you know, that's, and that's convenience. Air, air that is homes. to our detriment. Mm. I honestly, you, you can make that why there's so much mental health issues mm. in our society is because we're way too comfortable. Yeah. And comfort, I'm not saying comfort is a bad thing, but man, you've got to get out Just and challenge stepping yourself. Out of Step it. out of that. Yeah. And if you do it every and day, like even if you have a hot shower and then you just have that end even end 30 cold. seconds yeah. with cold yeah. shower. You get out and you feel so different. Absolutely. So different as if you just get out of that hot shower and warm and cozy and mm. clammy. And and I, I think you feel better. <laughs> oh. Like you, you feel better you than just... De- definitely. But, do. you know, even though I know all these things, you know, I still have to use my willpower to turn that hot water off. Yeah. And See, I do it, I do it at the yeah. shower. So you the cold shower is, is equally as hard as jumping totally. in an ice bath. Yeah. We, we, we spoke about The comfort is so yeah. accessible, you know. Yeah, like, I just... I, <laughs> No, not, not today. Like, I do it every day. So maybe just not today. I'll just, I'll just end with a hot yeah, shower. Yeah, the head game. The head game. But then how know? often do you get out? Once, once you're someone who starts using the cold shower method, how often do you get out when you've not turned the cold on and you get dressed and you go, God, I wish I had had that cold shower? I think I, I haven't got dressed, but I've got to the point where I've turned the shower off mm. and I've gone a step out and I thought, no, 
No, turn the cold on. Yeah. Because you know, because you know exactly what you just said. Mm. Like, you know that feeling. Mm. So you've got you to turn that cold on. It and becomes just get addictive. It. Yeah, yeah. That exhilaration. Another nice one that, like, you know, kill two birds with one stone and look after the environment. Dean stuck a bucket in there with the kids when they when they have their cold shower. Mm. Go dump it in your garden. Yeah, we do that we all the time. We did that yesterday. So the kids were making mud pies out of yeah. the garden. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't, we didn't make them have a cold one. We brought some hot water out. Some warm water and um, they in that yeah. rubber rubber little bucket and My kids there you go. Used to and bath like that all the time yeah. when they were they... straight in the garden when you're done with it. If you know, your neighbours don't cool. care, just use Dean's hose. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the same thing, like having your outdoor shower. Yeah. Like if you don't want to use your bucket, your neighbours don't mind if you get like a little bit of a nudie rudy happen. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe your neighbours. You can wear your swimmers. Totally. I don't think your neighbours would mind. Uh, I'll buy the end of it then. Get it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, Dean, you mm. have all these amazing techniques that I know you use at home, like the cold showers, your diet, you swim regularly most mornings in the ocean, or the sea yeah. pool, you meditate, um, you take your ditch down, your ducky down and have a little play with that every now and then too Mm. and you're very you're very connected um one of the most connected humans i've ever met but so still you met dr bill strickland is it code dr bill code code sorry um and you thought you would go over and try this gut flora transplant yeah well it, it just you know, it's like I didn't search him out. It all just fell into place, yeah. you know. And um, I was looking at going, because I have had stem cell treatment and there is definitely benefit in that, you know. I, in, I think as a future science uh, treatment that or future up and promising thing in science for a treatment for a range of different things, stem cells is definitely um, key. But with what um, Bill Code Listening to his story and it just all fell into place and he's just doing tremendously well. It just felt like the right thing to do. Mm. And because he had come over to the house, he actually invited me over to stay at his farmhouse and stuff. So, um, yeah, I said, well, this, you know, looks like the next few steps. And I don't don't like to stress about the future too much. Actually, I don't at all. And Actually, I was going to ask you that question, like, but I thought, no, I'm actually not going to ask you that question. Which was like, what do you, with your, with MS, your condition, mm. um, what's the future prognosis for you for that? And what are your fears based around that? But then mm. I heard myself ask that question in my head and I thought, yeah. you're not the right person to ask that question to. No, but like, you know, um, I think, okay, for instance, so traveling through the airport, I, I used um, assisted travel. So I put you in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and just that process. Because for me, I mean, airline travel is pretty stressful. Mm. For me, it just adds that extra little bit of effort in, mm. in everything you do. So that was really quite confronting when I first arrived in Canada. After that, you know, you, you're jet lagged, you're tired. And um, yeah, I, I felt that come up, you know, like, and it's always the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. But once again, like, it's, it's you just bring it back to the present. Mm. You know, like that's where it all lies. Mm. All the magic that, you know, any one of us can tap into lies just in that present moment. And 
it's not to you know what I could have done to avoid in previous years to avoid being in my position and what does the future years happen like like what a waste of time like that's I've been in that place and what a waste of time mm. you can't predict and you just do your head in with you know they, they call it the monkey mind just yep. going through scenarios and then when you think you've gone through the all the scenarios you can possibly think of you go back and you play it all through again. Mm. Like it's ridiculous. You and go, all you that go time that you're spending doing that, you're actually missing what's happening the, right missing now. Missing all the magic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do remember that first night because it surprised me too, to be honest. Because I, I typically I that's how I you know I've learnt over the last probably six years to really focus, and of you know these are all lessons in life that um, I've taken on board and you put into practice just in your everyday life and. Um, it, I remember having a shower when I, when I first arrived and I was tired, as I said, and jet lagged and I felt that coming up and, um, yeah, I just had a chat with Alina and, you know, just, that's another thing, you know, sharing what's going through your head so you can just mm. get it off your chest and, and then just return into the present moment. And you know what? It, it seriously disappeared like in a click mm. in that, in that moment. That's it. It's just let go of all that, mm. you know, just, it is what it is. You know, like I have a strong intention to not be stuck in a wheelchair or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and just I, I stick with that, yeah. you know, and I'm doing everything um, that I think is right for me personally um, to avoid that. Mm. But, you know, it, who knows? We None of us know what, what lays ahead. No. So why waste time laying in that mm. or spending any any thoughts or any... Well, I heard a saying that goes along the lines of worrying is like, <clears throat> wishing for the worst thing to happen. Oh. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. It's really, that really stuck with me. Mm. Like, don't give it any energy. No, no. Yeah. It's a waste of, well, yeah. Well, that's what it is. It's a waste of energy. Yeah. And so you got to Dr. Bill Code's property. Mm-hmm. And do you want to quickly run us through that experience? Yeah. So, um, um, lucky enough to stay on his property um and it's qu- quite simple and straightforward as i said just with the, as far as the gut flora transplant um it starts off with colonics which probably is not my favorite thing in the world i don't know if anyone's is it a bit shitty uh didn't sorry it is it is it is just unless you know that kind of thing sorry i just tried that kind of well hanging around nick too much um yes Yes, it's um, it's not for me. I think people, some people enjoy it actually. That I bumped in, they're like, "Do they didn't mind it?" But for me, it's not for me. But <laughs> and then the whole it was pretty pretty straightforward. And then part of the treatment that really helps build code out, especially with his migraines, is the hyperbaric um, oxygen therapy. And that is actually set up on his property by a guy that lives on the farm as well. And it was that guy comes from navy diving background and. His whole life's been around this kind of stuff. And How does the hyperbaric chamber work? So like basically, for, only for your condition? Like what is it, oxygen? Uh, just hyper-oxygenates hyper um, your body vessels. So your blood. Um, yeah. So um, Dr. Bill Code sees it, um, MS a little differently than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, he says lacking oxygen to those, those nth little mm-hmm. vessels and you know, right towards the end where they become smaller than, I think it's like fifth of a micron or something like that, where like smaller than an actual one red blood cell. Mm. 
So the red blood cell has to squash to squeeze through to the nth degree of where how that's how fine and small your blood vessels go to. And if you have um, weakness in the in your vascular system like that and inflammation, which is MS, it's inflammation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's preventing those those blood cells effectively going there, carrying that oxygen. So you get a lack of oxygen in, into those areas. So when you, when you you're in the chamber, you have a hundred percent oxygen that you're breathing then and um especially if you're under pressure like so they up the pressure so basically i started off at one and a half atmospheres and that's like the equivalent of being 15 foot underwater Mm. and that just that creates another environment for um i'm probably talking really you know i'm not doing it justice the science but um, no. Just helps your body hyperoxygenate and get that oxygen to the where it needs to be. So underwater, not not not. Um, so an altitude chamber is a different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So an altitude would take you above. Yeah, and would that do a separate? That would well, that would your deplete oxygen. Yeah. the oxygen levels mm. in your body. Yeah. So if you're having. Um, you're saturated. saturated that was just the for the for the, uh, the listeners that don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Always there asking the right questions for the listeners. For the listeners that don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it does the opposite. Okay. Yeah, and saturates saturates the body with oxygen. You don't have to do any of the equalizing. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's just like just like one and a half atmospheres is fifteen foot underwater. So if you were to die down fifteen foot. Once or twice. Equalizing, yeah, which I don't really have a problem with. Some people do. Yep. But um, do you get head pressure? Nah, I don't. I I didn't experience any of that. Yeah. But if you have problems with um, your sinuses and all mm. that, yeah, you can. I know. You know, people. Actually, my dad when we went skydiving, skied he had so much pain when he was coming down. He mm. didn't enjoy the experience mm. just purely because of that. They re- they say if you do suffer from that, to take a sinotap or something like that. Mm. <clears throat> a little off topic, but yeah. Not all, all connected so And so that is why um, also with, with Wim Hof, like the other part to his, his um, method, which is the ice water is one, but then the breathing, what, what we touched on before, is the, his breathing method, which I know he's you know gathered that technique from various other techniques along the way, <clears throat> is all about oxygenating the blood mm. at a cellular level. Mm. so it's yeah so you can see why both those things are working well for you because mm. mm. it's about oxygenizing yeah and is that is that in essence so it's like would bill say that oh, i'm not like probably trying to put on the most simple terms as you possibly can like by doing these going through these processes like you're getting more blood to the repairing cells yeah absolutely mm. Mm. yeah you know those and those cells they don't die off they lay dormant right and if if you if you offer and give that oxygen to them they they spark back up mm. again basically mm. and they turn on they switch on which mm. is which is a promising thing mm. um and and like just just as another like uh fact that a lot of people that have suffered diving accidents experience um similar symptoms to ms people you know slurred speech and wow. difficulty walking and um migraines yeah wow. yeah so and foggy heads so it's it's like it's just another thing yeah, like, there's so much like to that science and i mean places like um t- 
Tel Aviv in Israel. Um, they use hyperbaric oxygen therapy a lot. A could lot. you, could you, for instance, I know that that's 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 a chamber itself. But say, could you could you go free diving and try to sit? I know, yeah, I mean, I know you have to hold your breath in this situation and learn how to hold your breath, but could you... Well, you could take an oxygen tank dive. I don't know yeah. how that would work. Um, <laughs> but I've heard other doctors, uh, like I'm, I'm speaking out of, I don't know, this is beyond my level of expertise, but I've, I've heard other doctors talk about coupling of cells and different things like that under pressure. Yeah. So whether that relates, I'm not too sure, but yeah. effectively, yeah, if you could supply that oxygen... I don't know if that could work, like just having an oxygen tank or something that, that is available, whether that's, um, mm. you know, appropriate or not. I'm not hey, sure. Hey, troll but... and error. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there is doing it. Yeah. <laughs> over the few weeks while I was over there, I, I took it up to um, two atmospheres. So I'll go two atmospheres down, which is 30 foot underwater. Wow. And it's comfy as. Have you done that before? Like for actual diving no, or, or no. scuba diving? No, not, not that deep. There you go. Mm. It's not... Something to go play with. <laughs> <laughs> have you done that before, Mom? Scuba diving? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Mm. I've only had the privilege to go once and it wasn't a, um, yeah, it was a quite off the cuff. A friend that lives locally just says, we're going out diving at Jones's today. Do you want to come? I said, I've never been before. She goes, I will give you a crash course, but don't tell anyone because <laughs> well, they're not supposed to. <laughs> um, well, you so told now. everyone now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so they just kind of like hooked me up and gave me a five minute lesson and off we yeah. went. It's it was, amazing. Like it it's amazing. Something, yeah, something I always kind of wanted to get my ticket, but it just hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I was lucky enough at the, um, up the Great Barrier Reef and I went, went snorkeling there. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, it's I something, did that back in my day. Like, yeah, yeah, so special. Snorkeling, not diving, but yeah, yeah free diving. But yeah. Can I ask yeah. you, so when you were 25 years old and you were, you know, you, got, you started this journey with MS, were you anywhere near as health conscious? No way. That's what I said. I was like on Jager bombs. I was, I was probably, when I went out drinking, having some cigarettes and yeah. some durries. Yeah. Um, but do you think I definitely, this, like I definitely I, wasn't, yeah. I know you've I mean, ended up with, I know, like, I know what the condition you've got now, hmm. but do you, like... Do you see a silver lining in your in your own knowledge of like long term? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's like a far healthier life than it was. Like I, I, and I've I, learned so yeah. much, and I continue to, mm. you know, like I continue. There's certain things Endless. that just kept popping up, and I'm thinking, God, if I wasn't, if I hadn't been on this journey, would I have discovered that? Mm. You know, it's been such a journey, and like there's there's parts of it, obviously. Sounds strange, like, you know, I am kind of appreciative of being on the journey because I have learned so much Well, it's part of who you are. It is, it is. Look, I've I've been at Dean's house and the kids ask for dessert. Oh, mum, can I, what's that? Chlorella. Can I I please have a chlorella? I'm like, what's that? It's like this healthy little green tablet. Like algae. Yeah, it's like a... Like, and I'll give my okay. That's different to ice cream. Right? <laughs> 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 you know, weird. <laughs> you know, like you know, they they they, but they want it. That like mm. they want a tea, like a, like a herbal tea, or they want what's the, that kefir yogurt or yeah, they love yeah. kefir. And love then kefir. and they're eating this like amazing meal that's like you know organic this and, and I'm just I just you just like I have to give you some kudzu. 
<laughs> so what? So that's my kid's favorite dessert is kudzu. It's like a Japanese a root of a plant. Oh, you love your like Japanese. Japanese. I haven't heard of this one. Yeah. Umeboshi. Yes. Umeboshi. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, that was good. But yeah, not so dessert, but <laughs> but so no, kudzu is like a a, is yeah, it's like a cut. You make it into like a custard or a pudding, or oh, you can use it as a thickener in meals and mm. stuff. But we make kizu. it. Yeah, that's that's been my kids' favourite dessert. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, in saying that, we we avoid giving them, you know, ice cream and stuff because given half a chance, they'll die of that chocolate or ice cream. Yeah, you know, it's mm. just it's in human chemistry. Like it's, you know, it, it flicks on those, <laughs> you know, fl- flicks on those triggers and systems in the body where you want more and stuff. Mondeity on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One's eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else did you get up to in Canada? Um, yeah. So, well, the world kind of stopped when I was over there. Yep. Which was really, really strange. Yeah. So it was Dean really... went to Canada a couple of weeks before all of this COVID-19. The COVID thing just was just beginning to be on the news <coughs> to the point where my mum's like, Oh, you know, like I've heard about this thing, and I'm like, there's nothing oh, stopping you not? going there. Yeah, I was just like, no, mum, <laughs> you know, it's meant to be. So the so. background to Dean actually going there was like having to raise a lot of money to do it too, mm. wasn't it? Mm. So it wasn't just a matter of like, mm, yeah, I'll just wait till later and do it. it co- you know, yeah. it was a big process leading big, up big to that. Big process, and uh, you know, thanks to my wife and friends for organising that again, and to the community too. Like just such a great community I'm from, and so forever grateful. And an absolute belter of a night. That was so much fun. Yeah, that was a fundraiser night had. that we had for Dean yeah. to um, help raise money for him to go over there, and hundreds of people from the community got on board with that. Mm, absolutely. So this trip wasn't just something that you could just go oh, on a whim. Just you decide you were just going to cancel it. Mm. Yeah, and I mean it was just the beginnings of this mm. COVID thing too. It was you know, oh, there's little coronavirus, little, little virus. Like we've heard about the swine flu and, you mm. know, over the years that all these things keep popping up and it's, yeah, okay, business as usual, but went to know what was going to happen. And then within a matter of weeks of you being Probably there, two just... weeks, yeah, it just really started coming to a head. And um, Alina came over with me and I was over there for a total of five weeks. Alina was there for two. And so Alina is Dean's wife. wife. And she was... So she flew home and, um, yeah, just kept kind of snowballing from there. And it was so that really experience bizarre. alone. So Alina came home mm-hmm. and she had to go into two weeks self isolation yep. with the two kids. Yep. yep. Who you so ha- everyone's she isolated. hadn't seen for three weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, cause they were staying back here in Australia with your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So she came home, picked the kids up. Yeah. Put herself in lockdown for two weeks with yeah. the kids. With jet lag, yeah. With jet great. lag. <laughs> Whole thing. And then, like, because I remember her ringing me from Canada saying, is this for real? Do I really have to go and <laughs> What's going on? You know, yeah. like. And then, so from that point, three weeks later, Elena had been in lockdown for two weeks, out of lockdown for a week. Then you, it was time for you to come home. Yep. But you didn't at any stage to think, I'm just going to cut this short and come home, did you? Um, being in the position I was, like, um, so I was staying on Bill Code's property and, you know, he's got greenhouses. He's really self-sufficient. He's got greenhouses, fruit, veg, and 
just where I was staying, it was and you know really warm and inviting and a lot of awesome people there who I was staying with. And um, if I had been in a hotel room, I wouldn't have felt the same way. Mm. I would have been like, uh, what's going on? I might, I better come home. But it was just being in that position. It just felt once again. I'm, I just you take it yeah. every, every step as it comes. So I just felt, nah, I'm pretty right here. Meanwhile, we're back here going, oh, God, I hope Dean can get home. I hope they're going to let him back in the country. No, I was, I was, I was feeling, no, Elena, Elena probably had the, the raw end of the deal with the kids <laughs> stuck in her house. So, um, yeah, I, it just continued. Basically, it was, it was really bizarre being there, just seeing what was unfolding on the news and mm. hearing all the different stories, like so many different stories and of what actually was going on. And um, I just kept a, a close eye on the what um, the embassy was saying and in Canada mm-hmm. and it was on it was the last week that I was there I was I was due to fly out on Sunday and on the Wednesday the embassy said over there um, that there was four more flights leaving Canada last flight being on Saturday so my flight got moved from Sunday to Saturday wow that was it and that was the last flight out of Canada till at least the end of June. Mm. I know you're not a like a very fearful person when it comes to anything, but like, did you actually have like a, a second thought? Oh, like if I go through this airport, you know, my immunity. No, no. Like I'm, I'm going to no. feel this. Like nothing. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Like I don't really. I don't, I don't feel my my immunity is, uh, you know, it's attacking the itself. But I don't feel like I have a. Uh, a weak immune yeah, system, yeah. which I don't really. If if see a lot of these drugs, what they're immune suppressants, so then they weaken your immunity mm. to stop <laughs> the effect of it attacking their own body. Yeah. So that was that's what would happen with me, you know. Like I couldn't get over the common chest cold and stuff like that. Like I had a really bad reaction to it. So if anything, it's probably a time where I'm glad I didn't. I wasn't on that kind of medication, to mm. be honest. Mm. Because, yeah, you are more at risk. It's a fact. Mm. So at no point do I feel like I'm vulnerable from yeah, that's really just, just virus and infection more, more than the next person. Mm. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, it was, it was extremely strange flying, like coming through Vancouver Airport and there was just no one there. Zero. Everything's closed. No food courts open. Nothing. It was just so strange. Very surreal. It was, mm. it was almost like end of days, you know, like the movies, the full <laughs> apocalypse Real movies. Utopia, you know, it's bizarre. But, um, the I spoke to another family who had to return from Italy, who had mm. gone to live over there. But when all of this broke out over there, they were concerned they would not be able to get back to Australia, and they were seeing the devastation all around them. And they had they have um, four little girls, and they made the trip back. It was a very long and onerous trip. They had to go to different, cross different borders and all sorts of stuff to try and get around to mm. get back into the country. But they said the same thing. They said being in an airport with four little girls and no one around and all the shops were shut and flights were changing. The flight staff didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, and- there is so much confusion. Mm. Like going through that process, like one... One woman, like, so we're standing at the terminal and I'm telling you, there was probably only 60 people. I was one of the first there just looking around. I was there by myself and didn't know how many, but it's probably 60 people on the flight. And one woman came out that worked at the airport saying, you better go to duty free because that was the only thing that was open and get something to eat because there'll be no food served on this flight. 
And so everyone's just looking at each other going, what is going on? So we did like, you know, people get bottles of water and Snickers bars and stuff. We did have uh, frozen sandwiches on, on the flight. <laughs> so we didn't go completely hungry, but it was just bare essential. Like there was no blankets. There was no uh, tea or coffee. There was no beverages. There was some chicken and lettuce cold sandwiches. That was it. But whatever, you know, we'll, we'll come home. Lisa, uh, there was not many people. So you get a row of seats to yourself and just is what it is, mm. you know? And um, that, that same crew that flew over had to go through, get scanned through the, the coronavirus at the airport, had to come through, get scanned, and then hop back on the plane and fly, straight, fly back over the Pacific because that was their last, that was the only way home. So, you know, that, they, didn't, they weren't enjoying it either. No. Everyone was great. Like, no one was really whinging. I think everyone's just pleased that going home, mm. you know? And, and what was it like when you got back to the airport? Because you were oh, at the stage where they, you would, you wouldn't, didn't necessarily have the choice to come home no. and go into lockdown for two no. weeks. You would have had to be no. locked yeah. in a motel room. Listen, I, I tried considering my circumstance to, um, from over there. I tried what avenues, you know, uh, wrote to the, the embassy and things like that, and um, no one could answer anything. You know, they they tried their best. They were calling Australia, but they couldn't get any answers. Mm. It's like. It's kind of thrown it. Everyone's just doing their best, I suppose, mm. and in this situation that we found ourselves in. So, but no one really found any answer. So that was kind of the dead end. And when I when we arrived, you know, we we waited on the we taxied up to the terminal, and we were still on the plane for another hour because they were waiting to scan the previous. You know, I think it was a United Airlines flight that came through, so they were scanning them. Eventually, got off the plane, probably waiting another hour, um, just waiting. You know, for the. It was just a process to go through this checkpoint. And then we reached the checkpoint and it was just, it was almost like something out of 12 monkeys, really. It was just like full gowns, full masks, wiping down every surface after each person. And I was just like, I don't like my chances here at all. And I was just lucky enough. Well, like the, the funny thing, there's holes in everything because then there's people, so they're being that strict there. But then the guy that was pushing me through on the wheelchair didn't have a mask or gloves or anything. It was just so funny. It was just like, I'm like, do you get tested every time you go home? He's got like six kids, eight kids or something. He was like, he's like, nah, I'm like, this is so strange. So he's not doing anything. And then this woman in front of me is like hyper, you know, um, what's the word? Hyper vigilant. vigilant. Yeah. Of what's going on. Like wiping down the chairs and surfaces, like after every person. It was just crazy. But she then, it was like, I just, oh, she, yeah, mm. I was just so lucky. She just comes up to me, she goes, oh, it looks like you need an exemption. I said, yeah, it looks like you're right. And I was just so lucky, you know, they took down where I'm going, who would be picking me up, like my whole story. Um, and they said, listen, this could take two weeks to get approved. I said, no worries. I was sorry, two days to get approved. I said, no worries, because I was looking at two weeks. Still, they said, you still have to go to the hotel and all that. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so I got to the hotel and um, had already had word that I was approved. So Lena jumped in the car and... I arrived at the airport about, uh, sorry, the hotel about 12 lunchtime. And then, yeah, Lena picked me up at about six. Mm. And, um, Did you, well, how do you think you would have coped being stuck in a Listen, motel? I reckon, like, I've done a lot of work and, and stuff like that on myself. And, but I would have had to dig deep. Mm. So I truly, like, fr- from my position, my, my own opinion, I don't think it's right. Because I saw families going in with young kids that, as you said, like, people have crossed borders, this, that, and the other. And, Traveling with young kids is hard enough to stick them in a hotel where you can't even open a window. Mm. 
is gross. Cabin mm. like, fever. Disgusting. Like that's how we reprimand prisoners. Mm. We stick them in a room where you can't see any sun or whatever. Like it's pretty tough. Mm. And you we'll have to get um, Ian and Annette Stevens from the Milton Rural Fire Service in because they did get locked down into a motel mm. room for two weeks and they shared a fair bit of their story on their Facebook page. It was really quite interesting. And like initially when they first were in that motel room, like you said, they can't even they can't have access to opening the door. Even mm. if they wanted to, for whatever reason, they mm. cannot get out of that room. They're mm. locked in there. There's no windows to open. And um, they they only get given the food they get allocated. Oh, they couldn't yeah. even get a bottle of wine delivered. Yeah, you just, know, like, yeah. you, you know, not that that's like a you necessity, know. but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, if, so, if people like love sitting in front of the TV watching Netflix, they might breeze it. I don't know. Mm. I you think, know, if, I if think he had a gamer Anne, there, I'm sure he would yeah, smash it. I'm sure there's only so much. Oh, I, don't no, I don't think I would. I don't know. Like, but I, I just I love to be in the sun and, yeah. and just fresh air. Yeah. And to be like, you know, just to be able to open a window mm. and just, you know, get some air. Mm. That's, that's, you know, that'd, that'd, that'd be doable. Yeah. But like I was in a room and it was like an ex-smoke, like a smoking room. Mm. And it stunk. And I was just like, I wasn't going to kick, kick up a stink. I was only there for half a day. But yeah. Um, you can't even open a window and I've, I've heard stories like on um, Four Corners or whatever where it was an old guy who's old farmer and he goes yeah fair enough I've never been to war or whatever but that is one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do mm. because he tried he rolled up an old toilet uh, toilet roll and like jarred the door open they said no you can't do that just to try and get some airflow in mm. and they said you can't do that and I'm just I, I felt for you know, you know coming off a of plane with kids the kids cheeks already rosy like just fed up you know to, to put kids and young families through that is no, don't do it. You mm. know, like, and and my, my argument that I'm, I'm just sure, like, sure we're doing the best. We, we, we you know, that in the, the current circumstance that we find ourselves in, but the, the amount of um, like manpower that they've thrown at this, like they were, they were like coming through the airport, there was so much police, there was so much army personnel, like military personnel, and seeing that on the news, that was really daunting for me because it looked like I was coming into like communist Australia or something. It was just like under police state. It was just bizarre to see it on TV. Mm. But, you know, media like to see, you know, dramatize everything. Um, they were just there to help. Like that, especially the, the army and that. They didn't have masks on. They're just like helping you with your bags and like, yeah, mate, you know, chuck mm. it in there. So it was good. It's good in that regard. But the amount of manpower that they've thrown at this, I really think they could have had everyone nice at home and have groups of personnel driving around and dropping in every day mm. because in my hotel alone there was a military and a police per personnel on each level then when i left there was like a dozen in the foyer just twiddling wow. their thumbs so mm. they're bored mm. they don't know what's going on you know like me like i had my bags and stuff and i like i'm exhausted by this stage so i got my sticks i'm struggling just to walk to the car right and the woman that was upstairs, the army personnel woman, she helped me with my bags into the lift. And then I get down, lift opens, and this police this guy who's police running goes, oh, I can't touch your bags. And I'm looking at him, I'm going, like, I'm stuck in the lift, mate. Like, I can't move. And he's got gloves and a mask on. Mm. Just like this craziness. Like, anyway, it was just bizarre. It was so bizarre. I'm like, you got gloves on. And he finally just grabbed my bags. I'm like, it's just so strange. But they're just but trying, they're trying to cover their backs. They're, yeah trying to do the right thing. Everyone's getting following orders. And and given all sorts of different types of information. Yeah, they don't know what's going on. And you had that sense where everyone's just like, 
what's going on? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> everyone's just trying to do the best and yeah. follow the latest. It's a bit of a cluster. And it even was, then, it it's not each organisation, like the police or the army or the whoever, it's like each individual dealing with their own struggles mm-hmm. of like, should I even be at work? Can I take this home to my family? You know, if this is true, what they're saying. And, mm. um, I'm not saying right or there's, you know, I'm not expressing an opinion on any of that mm. right now, but every person's got their own opinion, don't they? And everybody's got their own fears based around what they're hearing and what's mm-hmm. going on. And everybody just has to digest that in their own way. So, yeah. I think, uh, like, set it all aside, the the main thing that's kind of come to the table is people um, starting to understand how much health really matters, like, and and deep, mm. deep, like, going deep into it, like, you know, the depth of what, what we've, we've been speaking about on this podcast, like, with this, the measures that Dean's gone to to help his, help his condition and, um, you know, looking after yourself. You've seen people go to Bunnings and get... Um, seeds, se- seeds so they can grow their own plants because they realise oh I'm not I'm not self-sufficient self-sufficient mm. enough to, because I can't rely on woolies because they tell me I can only buy one thing or mm. you know and so on and so forth like yeah. I don't need to so and all those things are all the positives that come from this there's this is so really... many there's so many positives and this is you know and I've spoken this about to this on other podcasts about res- like community resilience probably on every podcast that I've been on with you guys think one or another but you know even going back to the fires when we couldn't get access to food back then you know like mm. the supermarket shelves were empty mm. you know and and then the, the flip side of that is like having pe- households that were relatively self-sufficient you know mm. in terms of having some veggies and things like that so it all comes back to using these situations as a learning experience and to not go back but go forwards with that information for sure mm. yeah yeah not, not not argue about who's right and who's wrong no. about it either like what's what's that good what good is that like you can you can blame the government as much as you as you like but we are that we we're, we're we, we pay for that we pay for these we pay pay these jobs so you can we can argue it or we can just say oh look this is what we would like in the future and this is what we're going to do mm. Well, we have to cultivate mm. hope and yep. resilience instead of fear and helplessness. Mm. And that's all there is to it. And I think being self-sufficient is a big part of that, mm. you know, as, a, as an individuals plus also as a community, you know. Mm. And for me, for me personally, like, you know, it's just that realisation that we don't need all that much no. to be really content and happy. You know, no. you, you, need, you need shelter, you need food and water. And really... And you need community community people connection yeah. you know i hope this is really showing people because how how many times have we said i need my own space I need my own space and now people finally have it and they're like <gasps> you know I need, I need a hug you know like i hope like i feel like this is such a transformative time and this is shining light on so many parts of the community and society as a whole that we need to improve oh, we really definitely. need to improve like i just we need to simplify simplify we just need to simplify like we've been forced to do that now and i can't i don't think i'd come across many people except those that are in poor socioeconomic situations which needed the help before this but now even more so but Mm. um you know like for many of us 
who are privileged to have a roof over our heads and to have some form of income to be able to feed ourselves, which even if we can't do that ourselves, our government is actually providing some support there for the majority of people, not everyone. But, you know, if you are in that situation, I don't think there's anyone out there that complain, can complain about the simplicity that we're all having to draw off at the mm. moment. Mm. Because you hear it from people saying, oh, I didn't realise how busy my kids were now that we don't do like 20 different sports a week or, mm. um, you know... And, and they're actually enjoying – some people are enjoying having their kids learning at home. Yeah, and the calendar's yeah. empty. Yeah. <laughs> Spending more time with family, you know, really getting to know each other. Yeah. And yeah. stopping that, you know, such a big schedule. You know, everyone yeah. runs around with this big schedule. I've got this on this day and this on yeah. this day and there's just no time to stop. Yeah. Well, and giving and yourself, be. look, the, the permission to realise that you don't need to be that busy is – no. It's more so about how mindful you're going to do And I think a lot of people it. struggled with that. I was one of them, you know, mm. not really, but I I could have easily been. I've, I'm, most of us are all very busy people and we define ourselves by how busy we are <laughs> sometimes, don't we? You mm. know, like... Um, I like to use the word proactive. Proactive, yeah. <laughs> not, not, you know... Like you, if, if you're, the things you're working towards aren't causing excessive amounts of stress and that busyness doesn't mm. affect you the same as the next person that's hates what they're doing for a mm. living doesn't feel purpose in their life they're you know but even then it still does because mm. I, I experienced that myself yeah you know i experienced falling in a heap literally from yeah. you know severe adrenal fatigue from being you know mm. constantly mm. you know driven Oh, but you're Wonder Woman. No. <laughs> but a lot of people yeah. did experience, yeah. especially after the fires, yeah. Yeah. you know. So in that sense, yeah, you, you can really wear yourself out no matter what your busy schedule includes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I just really hope, and I hope I do it myself, and I hope everybody else, you know, takes a leaf out of this situation and this book and... Yeah, it doesn't fill their life up with so much stuff. <laughs> Maybe set a boundary for yourself every time you kind of witness that you're going down that path. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Good times. Mm. So you're out of isolation now. Yep. And the first thing you did when you got out, out of ISO, what was it? I went down for a swim. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. In the ocean. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you would, you wouldn't have there. ever snuck out of the house. Hey? You wouldn't have ever snuck out of the house no. in isolation? No. No, it just wasn't worth it. Yeah. This is a lie detector, this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> hey, I did, I, did notice, <laughs> I did notice um, like a couple of police down at the, the beach on the, on the weekend and they felt terrible for giving people a move on direction. Mm. I saw it in their face. I saw it in their manner. They're like, oh, we've got to tell these people to like stand up and move from their comfortable sitting on the grass by themselves situation it's a hard one it's such a hard one like you know we're, we're only just going off the information that we have yeah, it's un- we? unprecedented like it, and it, i would hate to think that i was the cause of you know infecting people if i i didn't even know it you know like and that's where a lot of people are coming from yeah. it's just it's such a tricky situation and there's a lot of conspiracy and a lot of things that we can really focus on 
or we can just choose to embrace this moment and enjoy yeah. the um embrace it that's it yeah yeah, look at the positives. We're very fortunate think, in this country. Oh, we can still go for a walk yeah. on the beach, really, for or, our essential exercise. Or and we've still the, got food. And we've still got food, and like we lentil. don't have people dying in our village all around us. This is yeah, you know? like this. Yeah. I saw from the from the get go, like this is huge, and to stop the economy is massive, mm. huge, and like you're seeing it, like heaps of South American countries. Just, you know, there's already writing in Africa for food. Like, all this is happening um, even in Brooklyn or in the Bronx in New York and stuff. But, you know, like we've we've had like a major airline collapse here. Mm. It's just, it's huge. It is huge. And it's It's, hard to understand why and what is behind it So is it, it, you know, you can can go down any avenue of conspiracy or, or what the actual cause is, but I think it's a waste of time. I think it's just a good catalyst to actually make us reflect and go, what what are we doing? Mm. Stop for a minute and like really throw up some big questions. Mm. And I hope I hope everyone has done that personally and on the on the broader as a society because it is bizarre. We've 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 actually it's brought to the forefront. I think what I've seen personally, I've seen we have such a fear of death that you, you see like panic, you know. So I hope people start processing that because guess what people like we all die mm. so it's better if you process that now and actually live every day to mm. the fullest because yeah you're going to live a better better life mm. there's just this feeling, you know like from being overseas and seeing what was happening here in the supermarkets like brawls over toilet paper no just one really will showing, ever be able to answer that that is question. that is just this why? people are carrying this fear and what i don't know why toilet paper you know, it's this fear of the shadow, like poo, like it's a bad thing, which was interesting for me. I was joking about that. Like while you were having it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's such, and like, I treat these nurses, like they were just like, well, you guys are angels, but they, they were just, you know, that's their thing. And it was just funny, like shining light on that aspect. And then at the same time, realizing people are fighting over toilet paper. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was just like throwing out these questions, like people haven't even gone hungry yet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, wait, wait till, like, what if that happened? So maybe, maybe like, because these things are always going to be about, mm. you know? So maybe this is just great training if there's ever another pandemic, which there will be. Another, another, Who knows when? Maybe not in our lifetime, but there will be. Mm. I'd love to have, uh, like, one of the um, neurologists or, like, someone like a psychologist in town talk about the, the, the I don't, I don't like to say it, but it is, it's a sheep mentality where you're, fo- you're just following the next person, what, what they're doing. Like, oh, they're, they've, they've, bought as many bits of toilet paper as possible. So I'll, I'll do that. Mm. And the next person does it. The next person, if you're not laturally kind of thinking or using your... You're not, it just comes you're not, from fear, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a fear-based yeah, reaction. It's fear and you're, not, you're also not kind of rationalizing things before you're making your action. You're just making an action based on fear. Mm. You can be fearful. Fear is, fear is a natural thing. Mm. Fear is a very natural thing. You expect anyone about it, you've got, you're going to have it. But gather as much information as you can and mm. rationalize it then make an educated mm. either guess or yeah. decision on, on it like do you on. let it consume you yeah you know yeah like, mm. that's a whole nother podcast definitely love to, <laughs> love to open that one that, that's a big can of worms that one yeah so yeah, yeah strange times we're living in it is and there's a lot going forward like we could get onto the vaccination topic you know that's going to be the next big 
uh, hurdle we all have to face. Mm. And I, I, t- to be um, honest, I would love to see, because I'm still not 100% convinced personally, that's my opinion, that mm. vaccinations are safe. No. Like, I'm, I think there's so many large questions that I'd love to see just a debate and then another debate. So we just, you know, there's no shadow. Mm. Really, you know, we've got to see, I need to remove the whole money trail and mm. just have a, a rational debate. And on I the think pros, the worst thing for me is like seeing people forced to have to have those vaccinations. You know, like I'm seeing it already with the flu vaccinations. Like I've got a friend, yeah. Ben, who's a nurse and he's been told he has to have that. Same, and the only yeah. reason that he can't have it is either for religious reasons or um, cultural beliefs. Um which is so strange. Yeah, suddenly that's happened and I've, I'm probably facing that myself with teaching in preschools, going into different preschools, you know, yeah, they're saying I'm going to have to have the flu vaccination, which I would never have. I just wouldn't have it because no. I don't see it as a necessary thing for myself. But So, yeah, so that's going to be a... I think moving forward, that's probably the one thing that I'm watching with interest yeah, mm. and I think for good cause, you that's know, my def- friends and that's nurses a, that's another podcast. Mm. are in the same boat. Like I've got a friend who can't see his mum in the nursing home because of it. Mm. It's and I think out of all these things, we 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 have to be careful to keep our own individual sovereignty, mm. as you said. Mm. I think it's hugely important. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and and if we are vaccinated, like, can we do it better? Is there a better way of doing it? Mm. You know. And is it, as you said, like, is it necessary? How, this, this is what I, I don't understand. There, there are natural ways where we can boost our immunity. No, that's just, and that's a topic, like, and, just, mm. um, like, I guess to wrap it up, yeah. um, in reflection of what you've been saying about, you know, maybe you're not so healthy lifestyle, then down the path of medications and mm. no, noticing that that didn't work for you because the, the side effects were worse than the initial symptoms to um to this now and we're all talking about vaccine you know like the not all of us but the big talk is around we need to find a vaccination and um all this sort of stuff Mm. but no one's talking about boosting immunity prevention yeah Yeah. you know and there's Mm. we can go in our backyard and find ways to actually boost our immunity absolutely at no like zero cost you know there's there's so many you know, things we can do. Hate to say it, Mom, but there's no money in that. I know, but this is that's <laughs> the scary part, isn't it? Yeah. And that's where, like, it would be really nice to somehow get more of that education out to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just to say, you know, like, let's, you know, do better in terms of, like, yeah. boosting our immunity and staying healthy. And, and, yeah. and if you do get it, then you won't be as sick or... And eating, eating nutrient-dense food that yeah. you've grown yourself. Yeah. You know? Um, so so all these people that are rushing to buy seedlings and seeds from Bunnings is not just to have a food source, but it's also much better for you. Mm. Yeah. And the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of having to get the flu shot, you know, let's just correct our bodies and strengthen our bodies and our immunity in that mm. regard. Mm. We can talk about the individual yeah, change. Mm. That's a whole other one. We've got, we've got four or five podcasts in that, that little wrap-up. <laughs> well, we would love to hear from anybody who wants to jump on our podcast that want to talk about any of this stuff yeah. um, and share with people. 
you know so if you're um listening to any of this and you feel like you have anything you have to offer it can be just to um, have a say as well it doesn't have to necessarily be the most you don't have to have the the, be doctor this or so and so this like mm. it's just if you feel like you've really got Mm. I think it's good to share opinions and that's one of the things at Treading Lightly that we're really passionate about is it's not just uh, one way is right and the other way is wrong. It's about opening up the discussion so we learn from each other and understand where we're all coming from on a different perspective and wavelength. So like you say, it doesn't... Yeah, it can just be discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. There was... um I almost don't want to say, say it because it. I can't remember exactly. It. No, it's, it's something along the lines like um, we can have a, a debate and I respect your your side of the story, like your own opinion, and I'll defend your right to that opinion to the death. Mm. You know, there was so much. Mm. It wasn't exactly worded like that, but it was, it was perfect. Mm. You know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. You know? Because they all come from belief, our own beliefs and values and experiences. Yeah. So everybody legitimately has a right to feel the way that they do. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's nice to be able to understand that mm. and see things from, shine a light on things from every angle. Mm. Absolutely. So, and, yeah. and that's what needs to happen in all of this because um, we, we do need a, a larger source of, like a bigger sphere of where our information is coming from mm. and our current understanding. Because mm. a lot of people don't, don't know this, don't no. know healthy eating and stuff. Mm. You know? And that's just because of the way... Either they've been brought up or what they have access to and don't have access to. It could be they don't, can't afford to seek that information mm. or mm. The, the knowledge. So, mm. so yeah, we love to hear from anybody who wants to jump on here. Nick and Dean, seek and you Mom. out. <laughs> but once again, um, well, I'm really glad we finally did this podcast with you, Dean, because I have a huge amount of respect for you and your opinion mm. <laughs> and your values and your beliefs. And I'll and, fight it to the death. Yeah, and I'll <laughs> fight it to the death. But, yeah. um, I, you know, I'm really glad that I got to really sit down and hear your story about MS as well because, yeah, I think it's a real reality check for most of us and to see and very humbling to see the way you actually deal with that mm. in your home with your fam- beautiful, beautiful family and the people you surround yourself with. Mm. I think that's one thing that you, you could definitely compliment Dean on is like how how he deals with it. Like if you see him standing there or sitting down with his family, like he's not dwelling on it. He's just got this condition, and it's it's like it's like you can see in him is just like it's just like I've just got it at the moment type thing. Just yeah. just something that kind of I'm kind of. It's like, it's like he's got the flu, but for like a, like, like a longer, like a longer, like a longer period. Shake this flu. Yeah. But I mean, the, the demeanor that comes from you, like I think that it's something that a lot of people that say that might have suffered. It doesn't even have to be MS either. Anything. Be, yeah, it can be something else that's quite detrimental to their health that's made them feel a certain way. And I'm sure that Dean's gone through a darker period at the start. Hundred yeah. well, we percent. Yeah, we just spoke about that before. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Everybody has their dark days. No one is immune to that. That's yeah. for sure. But there's, there's definitely something where you can like, you can sit and have a chat today and go, oh, maybe my sh- uh, stuff is far more trivial. <laughs> like, and I don't like to compare things because everyone has their different sources of 
yeah and it's all relative to it is. each person it's a total person but yeah it is it's definitely like then you then then you'll see then you'll understand the the depth of like dean's condition you're like oh, okay like oh, there's just <laughs> you can you can yeah. really see it's not just the brave face he's putting on he's actually yeah deal dealt with it and dealing with it yeah. De- dealing like i was, I was going to say it, it's I, I, I work on it, mm. you know, like it's a journey mm. and I, I still fall. Mm. I just ask Selena, mm. you know, and I, I go back to old Dean default setting, mm. you know, it's just, I, I just look at it as how quickly can I, my, my goal is how quickly can I catch that? Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, yeah. And just snap myself out of it yeah. before it manifests into yeah. something bigger. That's exactly. So it's, it's a daily thing. I'm not perfect. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's yeah. something that I've grown to learn too through all of my teachings and the things that I, the path that I've gone down in my lifetime is like, and I've really recognized it through COVID-19. And I think a lot of people who are at home will be feeling this too, is that um, learning to recognize, okay, one day I wake up and I feel on top of the world, but um, within a day I can notice, I can now recognize myself move, shift through certain moods and transitions in in with just even within a day because i'm not so busy i'm mm. having the time to actually recognize those transitions mm. of being like yeah i'm really energetic and happy oh how come i feel like really down now all mm. of a sudden and then mm. oh and then you know it just changes but it's like i can catch that quicker mm. now that's yeah. because of what i've learnt. i can mm. recognize okay well yeah, okay, my energy's low now, so I've got a few tools that I can go fall Absolutely. back on to shift myself out of that state. But mm. for the person that hasn't maybe had the opportunity to receive some of those teachings and those tools, it's easy to fall into those states and not recognize it. Yeah, you don't have those tools. Yeah. And that's exactly how you stated it, is how I see it, is, is like, what tools do you have in your toolkit mm. You know that you've learned and that you can incorporate into your life? Yeah. And it's, it's vastly important yeah. because life happens. Yeah. You know, and it takes a few things like, you know, you kick your toe and then someone scratch your car and, you know, quickly you fall yeah. off. Mm-hmm. And you can actually, you know, like you just said, someone scratch your car. How do you react straight away? You'd be angry. But if yeah. you catch yourself at that, you know that that's not going to actually achieve anything. Yeah. And so how fast can you catch it? Yeah. How fast can you catch that? Because and, you, and, and have the tools there. So often you'll be learning those tools along your life path and you might not recognize them as being any value to you at that point, mm. maybe for a long time. But then all of a sudden, everything just clicks into place mm. and you feel you notice, oh, I am actually using those tools. Mm. And together and they work really well. I remember a, um, a mixed martial artist was talking about like, the, like different levels of resilience. He's like, it's all, it's all roses when, you know, your family's all working together and, you know, your job's going well and, like, you know, you can say I'm resilient in those sense. He goes, but how, how do you react when you do your... Um, he, goes, he goes, oh, sorry, he used kicking your toe. Like, that's why... Mm. That's what made me think of it. He used kicking your toe as a because I do it a lot. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> he's like you kick you, you kick your toe when everything's going well. You kick your toe on that kitchen bench and you're like, oh, it's all right. I'll get amongst a day and go for a swim. But then when everything's kind of a little bit iffy and you kick your toe, you're like, oh. And then everything else is kind of falling apart around all, all around it. Yeah, it's like testing your resilience to at, at the at the lowest points is is where you really find out. Mm. 
The difference and, between reacting yeah. and responding. Yeah. This, this, and this is what we all need to discover within us because we, we, are, we have to realize we are all co-creators of our reality and collectively. Because anything you do has a, has a repercussion and anything you put out returns. It's the whole energy aspect of it. So to use that analogy of, you know, someone, you come out and you can't scratch, how are you going to react? Because you can paint two vastly different scenarios. What's going to unfold mm -hmm. next? Do you react and then you come home and then you're yelling at the kids and you're in a bad mood and then, you know, you speak to your mum badly or, and then that has, and then from that action, like even with your kids, for instance, because that, that can have lifetime effect, you know, it really does. So, or you get over it quickly and you catch yourself in the moment and then you flow and you, and, and you, still... and you say, can you fix my car? Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah. <laughs> Picasso's now. <laughs> Double point. <laughs> um, He's been waiting for it. There is so much, so much power in that. And we got to really like tune into that and slowly discover that because um, that can really, it can change things big time. Mm. And you like your little family, and then it, then it bounces out, and, mm. and then you know you'd be amazed. Like for me, like just little coincidences start to happen more and more. How they unfold, and it's pretty mm. much how I you know came across Bill and Nothing's how that unfolded, my friend. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and then as Nick just said, you quickly discover there's no such thing as coincidences. So no. Um. Mm. So yeah, the more more we can tune into that and. So get again. out, get out there, and get your tools. Yeah. Whether it be nutrition, whether it be meditation or yoga or, or breathing or craft or you know movement or uh, uh, create any creative processes. Walking. Creative processes. <laughs> pick up, pick up an instrument you always wanted to learn. Gathering. Gathering. <laughs> 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 Music. Music, yeah. yeah music, oh my right. gosh, yeah. How quickly can that, yeah, change everything? It's all connected. All yeah. right. This is uh, almost an hour and a half, so you can oh, sign off. Mine. Yes. So thank you, Dean. Thank no, you thank so you. much. Thank you, Nicholas. You're welcome. And, and thank you too for the awesome podcast. Last podcast while I was away, that was unreal. Oh, with our. Um, so good with Taya and Taya Kyle. Taya and Kyle, yeah, yeah. that was good. Yeah. I love that podcast. I love listening to them talk. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so much to learn from that and so much to learn from this again. So, yeah, thank you so much. No worries. Thank you, guys. Love yous both. You too. Hey. We'd hug if we were allowed. <laughs> oh, there'll be plenty of hugs. All right. See you, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.